Sunny days taking the clouds away. <laughs> Can you tell me how to get, how to get to? I don't. Sesame Street. Oh, uh, I haven't watched Sesame Street in a really long time. Mental wounds not healing. Who and what's to blame? Going off the rails on a crazy train. Okay, that's how we'll start the podcast. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Screen Weens, the only show where you can listen to two young white men. Yeah. It's pretty grand. It's the it's, only podcast. It's the first one. <laughs> groundbreaking in that sense. Who have no skills, work menial jobs, and have a podcast. Yep. And we watch movies. And no one seems to listen past, like, the first 20 minutes except for Pierre. Thanks, yeah. Pierre. Pierre. And Joe. And Joe. Thank, thank you, Joe. Thank you to our two sponsors. Our two biggest fans. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, we have plenty of questions from Pierre today. Only oh, Pierre. Great. I can't wait to see how many questions he has for Eaton this week. Yeah. E10. Yeah, yeah E10. Woo. So, have you watched anything else this week? Uh, I watched both seasons of Mindhunter, and oh. I read a little bit of Johnny Douglas's book on BTK, who is the serial killer that you see, like, glimpses out at the beginning of episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to be... Spoiler alert, but we're going to be talking about Mindhunter in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm going to push that back a little bit. Okay. Uh, because I realized it was October. I'm like, oh shit, I want to do horror movies. So. Oh, oh yeah. I should pick a horror movie for yeah. today as well. Uh, luckily, today, uh, the the Night of the Living Dead episode dropped unintentionally. First and one for October. The, today we're talking about... Uh, there's no specific horror movie, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll 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 just we'll make our movie ideas horror based. I there have to we change go. mine now, but I don't <laughs> know. Um, Birdman's kind of scary. Birdman's got some like horror aspects to it. I'd say. Oh fuck! Now I gotta figure out. Ah! <laughs> oh no! But uh, I've got I've got my movie picks for next week. It it kind of crosses two for one because it's a director I've really wanted to get into, and it's a horror movie. So. Roman Polanski. No. I'm, I've still yet to see one of his films. I've seen... Which, I'm sure you've seen Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Uh, it's like... The only one that I really have a strong desire to see is the... He does The Pianist, right? With Adrian yeah. Brody. That's like the one that I see is like the most that looks... <laughs> the only one I want to see is... I think it's called Ghost Rider... Because that's Ewan McGregor in it, and I want to do his entire filmography, and I'm like, ah! I like Adrian Brody, and I feel like... I do, too. I don't see enough of him, and that's, like, supposedly one of his, like, greatest performances. You should watch The Brothers Bloom. I should. Ryan Johnson. Yes. Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Adrian Broly. I remember you let me borrow it one time. Oh, yeah, and then you never watched it. (laughs) Do I have it back? Did you give it back to me? Yeah, I gave you back your movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you did. Huh? So you did this time. <laughs> and 
that that was the only time. So exactly, I've, I've got a one hundred percent clear rate. Wow. <laughs> um, anything else besides Mindhunter? That's that's kind of a that's like a twenty hour endeavor. So yeah, uh, I did Mindhunter, uh, and then I watched a One Piece movie last night along with the two movies. It, I was I was seeing if it would work because it's like an abridging of the first saga into like a two hour movie. Uh, doesn't work. I was thinking about like choosing it for the podcast, like show you and see, but it you wouldn't. A lot would be missing from. I'd be like, look, it's Luffy. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, uh, none of this is in order. I don't and get. They it. cut a lot of stuff out. I don't understand any of this. Who's this character that's running around with the main characters all of a sudden? I don't know, but it's right. I have context, so I I got it. But I thought it was pretty bad. Nice. Yes. Nice. Uh, I saw In the Tall Grass, which is a new Stephen King movie on the Netflix. Which you know, I, I've heard good things about, like Gerald's Game. Yeah, and a couple of the other. Is ones it from the on. same director? As no, that? it's from the director of Cube. Huh. Okay. Um, it was very bad. Oh, it's based on a novella, like a short story. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, I've I've read a couple of his novellas, like uh, Shawshank Redemption. I and- I just mean that adapting it into a full length film was gonna be a little rough with a director that's. Best film was Cube. Uh, fair, fair enough. Because I was going to say, Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me are both based off novellas. Oh. Still haven't seen Stand By Me. Oof, I'm going to have to pick that one of these weeks. But not this I'll week. just watch it sometime soon. Well, I'll um, still probably pick it. It's very it bad. Sure. It had a fucking... Pat, uh, the Patrick Wilson? Maybe? Uh, I don't know. You know. Uh, yeah, Patrick Wilson. He was in it. Who is he? Uh, he's like the main guy in like The Conjuring. Oh, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But he's probably best known now as Conjuring Man, which kind of makes me sad. Yeah. Um, he was he in was, uh, this he was movie. Pretty bad as well, though. Called Little Children. That I remember enjoying that movie. Oh. It's got, goes some pretty dark places, but. Nice. Um, yes, yeah, so that was really bad. Like. Probably, like, the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, okay, I'm into it. And then it started to try to get confusing, but then it just started to get dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, not, like, interesting confusing or, like, smart confusing. It was just kind of, like, magic. But it wasn't even, like, fun magic. It was just, like, whoa, we just do whatever we want <laughs> to yeah. progress the plot. I'm like, cool, that's, uh... That's fun. Yeah. I also saw the Society movie yesterday. Oh, how was it? Joker. Um, oh. Not Society. <laughs> the Society movie. Well, how, how was Joker? Uh, I was, I was like, a little worried because, like, uh, even though I was getting, like, crazy good reviews and, like, Letterboxd has, like, a 4.1, but, like, Joe and Lucero saw it, and they both really didn't like it. Like, really didn't like it. Hmm. I think Lucero gave it, like, a 2 out of 10, and Joe gave it, like, a 3 out of 10. And I walked in, I watched it, I'm like, that was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I was like... <laughs> Sarah was giving me shit the other day, because uh, we were watching uh, Neon Joe, and he showed me the first episode. 
Neon Joe? Werewolf Hunter. Oh. Uh, it's an adult swim comedy. He's like, what would you give that? I'm like, probably like a six, I guess. And he's like, well, I guess that's all right, because you seem to rate a lot of amazing things at six. And it's just like... I also like... Look at... <laughs> it's like... It, it, Six is above average. Fuck off. Yeah, that means that I, like, I enjoy I have higher years. standards than you. My bad. Like, it's not as much as you, but look at my uh, fucking curve on Letterboxd. Most of them are sixes. Yeah. You know? Like, six is, like, a good thing. Yeah, like, sixes means it was like, enjoyable. I don't agree. I there are things that, like, you give sixes that I've given, like, tens, but it's not like I'm going to be like... Thomas, you some kind of fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I, we just have different opinions and different things that we want to get out of the film. But I was I was confused by like why they didn't like it. Like I I, I do think there were problems. Like uh, I had a bit of an issue with some of the script. Some of it was a little too like hammering the nail in, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like Joaquin Phoenix's performance was in it, and the cinematography was really really great. Like. And the city of Gotham was, like, really... It felt alive. Mm -hmm. And I know in a lot of, like, the live-action Batman movies, they don't necessarily feel alive to me. But it felt like a real city, and it felt gross and grimy. And I'm like, perfect. Hmm. Uh, But there was, like... There was a couple, like... There was, like, a twist that everyone could see coming a mile away. Um, And, like, they didn't set it up properly. Like, they didn't have enough scenes with the characters that were in this twist, so it didn't... I didn't care. I'm like, oh, I already knew this was coming, but if you had more scenes with this person... I think the film was about two hours and, like, seven minutes. Probably, like, could use, like, 20 more minutes to, like, iron out these, like, characters' relationships. Hmm. But I I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a really good score, too. Some of the the tracks started to blend together and be a little samey, but it was good. Okay. But... Overall, I really enjoyed it. Thought the cinematography was really good. Acting was really good. The script was a little weak. And I thought the worst part was probably, like, the directing. Yeah, the directing was the thing I was most concerned with. Because I saw that it had good cinematography. And I was like, well, they could have just gotten, like, a good director of photography. And Todd Phillips is famous for... The Hangover. Well, at the same time, the cinematographer is the cinematographer from The Hangover. So I thought, hey, maybe they're, like, growing together. Maybe. But Todd Phillips just seems like a dickhead. Like, there was that that thing that came out recently. It's like, yeah, I had to take Stop Making Comedies because, you know, the culture's too PC. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Your comedies just weren't very... Yeah, there are plenty of comedies coming out these days that are, like people think are hysterical and are still pretty fucking edgy and stuff. You just have to be funny. Yeah. It's like, you gotta have a joke beyond just like pointing at a group of people. Just or black people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trans people. <laughs> just, it's just make like, a joke. Yeah. Make it funny. Have some sort of a punchline. So I, I was also worried like going into it because I'm like, well, it's probably gonna put in like, oh... And there was some stuff be like, humor's subjective, but it wasn't even that. I feel like, good movie. Hmm. Could have been better, but good movie. I, I just like a seven, like a light seven, like oh, more more of a six than an eight. Yeah, I, but I was kind of anticipating it was going to be a, a real seven. Yeah. So, But, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And I saw it in IMAX. 
Mm. And it wasn't filmed in 70mm, but it was still gorgeous to watch. I've been watching a lot of movies in IMAX, because there's a theater right there. Yeah. And it's like seven extra bucks, but fuck, that giant screen and that, like, so much surround set, it's so good. Like, I saw Ad Astra at IMAX, and that fucking blew me away. Mm. I really wish that, like, I need to see. That I could piece. see Lost City of Z in the IMAX. Oh, I was looking. I I was looking on Amazon, and I couldn't find a Blu-ray for it. Which what the fuck? Call up James Gray. May, maybe if I dig a little deeper, because sometimes like I'll have that problem with Amazon where I'll look something up and it won't pop up. But if I dig a little deeper, I'll be able to find like the actual. Gotta dig thing. a little deeper. I don't know. They're just like this kid buys too much shit. Let's like. Let's hide some of the search results from him. I also uh, had my first um, experience with Audrey Hepburn and uh, Fred Astaire. Oh, yeah? I watched Funny Face, and I couldn't stop thinking of the Ray William Johnson song. The... the which one? I'ma do what I do no matter what. Because he says, uh, some people say I have a funny face. You could call me Fred Astaire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the whole time I'm just like, gross. But that movie was not very good. I was like, the, it, it was like a fun little musical. Do you just have the lyrics to that song memorized? Because I would have, I have the chorus and I have that line. Oh, okay. because I'd been wanting to watch Fred at, uh, Funny Face for a while. So I was going to say, I, I like shoved that song like that, deep That movie down. was so weird because the main, like, relationship was between Fred Astaire who's like 58 in the movie and Audrey Hepburn's like 28 <laughs> which I don't it's I don't have a problem with relationships with an age gap but like if that's all there is in the 50s and the 60s and the 40s and the 30s it's just annoying <laughs> yeah I, I completely understand it I'm just like can can we not do this <laughs> Please, <laughs> um, and like some of the, the the music mostly was lots lots of fun. There was like some great dance numbers and great like colors, but the script was just shit. And the whole thing was like, I'm Audrey Hepburn. I'm not beautiful. I could never be a model. And I'm like, uh. what the fuck? <laughs> you were literally voted like the most beautiful woman in the world or some shit. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Put ugly people in the movie, please. Yeah. Gosh. But I do want to watch more movies with Fred Astaire and like Audrey Hepburn. Oh, they yeah. seem like fun, but it's just like, I'm not a good movie. I'm sure they were in probably better movies than that. Yeah. Uh, I really want to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. I yeah, that's, I've heard that's, that's really good. Have you seen I hear them? No, I haven't. I haven't seen any movies with Audrey Hepburn or uh, Fred Astaire in it. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I guess I have seen a movie with Fred Astaire. He was in, I think, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh, the, like, like, the stop motion? Yeah. Movie? Apparently uh, he was, I think he was like the, the snowman or something in it. Like he was, he was a character. The, the, not the heat miser, but the, uh, Mr. Is this Mr. Frost? I don't know. I haven't seen that. Oh no, he was, he was, uh, S.D. Kluger. Who? S.D. Kluger? You know. I haven't watched the special in a long time. Seven, eight, I was like, I loved it, but I was also really, uh, he, he was the mailman. Oh, okay. Like the, it was like the, also the narrator, I think. Yeah. 
He kind of looks like Fred Astaire, too. I guess they, like, made it kind of look like him. Huh. Fred Astaire kind of looks like a puppet. <laughs> um, I also rewatched uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, I, hadn't, nice. I hadn't watched it since high school. Because, like, I really loved it growing up. And then middle school and high school, people over-quoting it kind of ruined it I, for me. I have that exact same relationship with The Princess Bride. Yeah, yes, I I just don't just enjoy a movie and you can talk about it, but I don't want to fucking hear quotes from it just on nonstop. Yeah, exactly. And it's never in context. It's just saying. I, I know I've said it on the podcast before, but it like at least say a quote that makes sense in context. Gosh, just was... just don't go up to somebody and go. My name is Inigo Montoya. Yeah. I don't think that word means what you really think it means. Yeah. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Ah! <laughs> ah, inconceivable. That's not Clint Howard in that movie. That's, uh, I always get him and Clint Howard mixed up. Who's? No, that is Clint Howard. No, it's not Clint Howard. It's, uh, I don't know the dude's name, but he's a Clint Howard type. But. Oh yeah, you're right. It's Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn. I knew it. I knew it had like a W in it. <laughs> they're the same. I think they're the same person. Yeah. Like I, I'm pretty sure they just he just wanted more money, and like the Screen Actors Guild like didn't want him to work more, so they, he he made a second idea. They're like, hey, your brother asked for a personal favor. Gilbert Godfrey is also there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, he, he recently because got I, a bump up because he was on a recent ABGN episode. Who, Gilbert Godfrey? Yeah, he was. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, I do really like The Princess Bride and I do really like Monty Python and Holy Grail, but I'm just like, it's, it was, they were literally ruined for me in high school for a while. So I hadn't seen Holy Grail in probably like six years. Yeah. And I, I, I really enjoyed it this time around. It's, I like definitely don't think it's as good as I thought as a kid. And yeah. I don't think it's as good as Life of Brian. Life of Brian, I think, is so makes like really, really funny. Mm-hmm. But there's some really good jokes in Holy Grail. Like I love the whole like Sir Robin thing where he's just like not quite as brave. He's not brave at all. And he has the minstrels that are just singing. Yeah. Sir Robin ran away away. Like, but I also love singing. So gosh, I haven't seen that movie since I was like a little kid. I think that was the last time. But I it mostly it. holds up. Also, John Cleese's characters are always fucking great in that yeah. movie. I need to like. I saw that they had Flying Circus up on Netflix, so I might like thumb through some of that. Nice, yeah, me too. I, I've only seen a couple things from Flying Circus. Yeah, I've seen. And some I, I, I rented on like a DVD from the library when I was a kid. Oh, that's pretty cool. That was like my because I'm like the Holy Grail. They made the and then Flying Circus is so fucking different. Yeah, and a lot of more like deadpan. And so I was. I, I like that kind of. Stuff. Well, no, I do too now. But when I was a kid, I'm like, this isn't funny. Yeah. Where's the fucking dancing? Uh, Where's the sun? Where's the funny rabbit? Growing up, there was a joke on Family Guy one time where they like, I think they tie Meg to a chair down in the basement and they like force her to watch Flying Circus. She has this line that I resonated a lot with with a kid because like my grandmother and my mother hated Flying Circus. And they hated Monty Python, like, period, dot. 
And she was like, I'm a girl. I don't even like the good Monty Python. And like 12-year-old Thomas was like, ha ha, it's true. My mom doesn't like Monty ha, Python. Ha. My mom's like Meg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. mother hated SpongeBob. Did she really? Yeah. So every time she... I like, and I don't think she ever actually tried to watch it because some of the like the early seasons, the first like three seasons, (laughs) and I know people rag on like the new stuff, but it's not like terrible either. Like it's fine. There, there. I've seen like some good newer episodes here and there, but like I I don't think it's any like where near. But I think it's fine. I think people just rag on it because it's not as good. Like they're like. Fuck this! Yeah. Like, kids are enjoying it? Let them enjoy it. But yeah, the first three, even like, I would say the first four, and like, even like season five has some gems, I would say. And then afterwards, I would say it starts to get just fine. Yeah, it goes into that Simpsons territory of, uh, yeah. Drought and leaf. Like, it didn't have, it didn't have as strong of a, like, run as the Simpsons good episodes. Because the Simpsons good episodes went on for like, like, Eight to yeah. ten seasons, depending on who you ask. Yeah. And then Family Guy. Uh, <laughs> there's, like, one good joke per episode. That's what I would say. Yeah, like, occasionally I, I there's tried some... to occasionally watch it again, because I really liked it when I was 12. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot, Grind. I watched it with my mom, for whatever reason. She was like, she wouldn't let me watch rated R movies or play rated F games. Mom. But... I was able to watch Family Guy with them. I'm like, I don't, I don't, what? I had a vice versa, like, effect, because I was able to watch, like, pretty much whatever I wanted in terms of, like, movie department. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was, like, a period when I was a little kid where I could watch Family Guy, but there was, like, this huge middle gap where she wouldn't let me watch it, where I started getting to the age where I could probably start picking up on some of the humor. And she's like, oh, maybe it's a little too extreme for him at this age. It's like when somebody has a child and they don't care about, like, swearing. They're like, fuck, fuck. But as soon as they turn, like, two and they can start, like, talking, they're like, okay, better, better stop. Yeah, better hit the brakes a little bit. Better knock it off. But, uh... Yeah, and then when I was, like, probably, like, 11, I just bugged them so much. Because I'm like, you let me watch it when I was a little kid. Why can't I fucking watch it now? So they're like, fine, just fucking watch it. I don't care. Leave me alone. It's like, yeah! So. My mom wouldn't let me fucking play rated teen games when I was, like, 10. And I'm like, what? I'm like... Spider-Man 2 is rated T for T. I remember I had... I had to convince her when I'm, like, 11. I'm like, look at all these games that are teen. And she's like, oh. And I, like, I've been playing, but she didn't know. And she was like, oh. Like, that's why I, I hate the ESRB, because it's bullshit. Yeah, I have... So is the MPAA, though. So is the TV guy. Like, all of these are badly done. Yeah, like, don't rate things. The MPAA is, like, rated by... Random old like fifty year old people. Yeah, and they don't even they, make like the information public. Like they try to keep it as secretive as they can. It's like, well, what the fuck? Why? That's why that that movie, this film is not rated. Is good. Yeah, because it exposes some of that. But nobody cares. I still haven't seen it. Yet. Nobody cares. Uh, I have vivid memories of when I was a kid. Uh, my dad would like play Grand Theft Auto three, and I'd like ask for a turn, and he'd like put on the cheat where everybody tries to kill you and then he'd hand me the controller and I remember crying when I was a kid because I was like, just 
Like, why won't they stop killing me? It was... I was like three. <laughs> oh, I did see The Shining in 4K. Oh, and we good? Did yeah. it look good? Yeah, it looked beautiful. It, it looked really good. I still, it still probably is one of my like lesser favorite Kubrick films. Not to say it's like bad or I think it's a great film, but yeah. And it's definitely better than his first two. Yeah. And I, I think I gave it an eight, but that's just how much I like Kubrick's other films. Like, yeah, I'd probably agree with you. And it's... I think that, like, most of my problems with it come from, like... Like, the things he did to Shelley Duvall in it. Mm. Because it's it's apparent on the screen, especially after you know that. Because she doesn't, like... Her performance, I feel, would have been better just originally. But he, like... Physically attacked her. I don't like, abused her. I don't agree with his methods. And but there are some scenes where like it's not like the terror scenes where honestly I don't think Shelley Duvall is a great actor. But I don't either, I don't like, but I'm like just like saying said, I'm I saying during the terror scenes behavior. it just it looks bad. Like a lot I don't think they look very good because it doesn't look like she's capable of acting anymore because yeah. of the things she went through. So, yeah. yeah. Also, some of the transitions have aged really poorly. Like, they don't, like, some of them, like, he really fucking likes fade transitions in that movie. Yeah. And a lot of them are, like, way too sudden or, like, take way too long. It's like, one or the other. And I'm like, pack one! Mm-hmm. Like, still a great movie, but and it was it was gorgeous in 4K. Yeah. When I get my 4K TV, I'm planning on getting the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray of that in nice. uh, 2001. I also saw um, Abominable. Oh, yeah? Which is that new, like, I think it's DreamWorks. It was very beautiful. Very well animated film. Hmm. They're, especially especially near the end, they started to get all, like, funky and doing a bunch of, like, crazy shit. It was, like, a pretty good movie, but that was because it was, like, elevated by the animation and the last, like, 20 minutes. The rest was, like, pretty middling. Just, like, a regular-ass movie. But it was okay. fine, though. I enjoyed it, I guess. Hmm. That's most of the stuff I want. Oh, and then I rewatched Tucker and Dale vs. Evil because I oh, fucking nice. love that movie. I are they still like doing a sequel to that? I don't know because I remember like hearing something about that. Like, quite I would a love that. Well, howdy ho, officer! We've had a doozy of a day. Is like the funniest fucking line in that movie. It's <laughs> oh, another one I haven't like watched since middle school, but then. I remember. I, watched I was a it, little like, afraid I wasn't. I wasn't gonna like it anymore because I think it'd been like since like freshman or sophomore year since I watched it. But nope, thought it was great. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they made a sequel to it. If like, maybe it's just better off if they don't. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but it, yeah, it's we'll always see. like the question to ask. Yeah. <sighs> okay. You you got through all your watches, right? And I got through mine. Yeah. I also watched High School Musical China. High School Musical China? Yeah. When High School Musical was big, they had a bunch of, like, 
spinoffs from Disney of like different. There's like a, I think a Brazil and an Argentina as well. Huh. I didn't know that. High School Musical China was very okay. The music was really good, but mm-hmm. um, it was filmed kind of like a music video. Were they just like, I hope we get together and we can have one son. And if it's a daughter, we'll just go and get it undone. Hey! Yep. Oh, I guess they can have two kids now. Yep. So. Yep. Woo! Thanks, Are you ready for... It's not even audience questions today. It's Pierre questions. Woo! Pierre's question corner. Lamb on. Okay, this this first part, you know the drill. Oh my god! We're holding hands, locking eyes. Okay. Do you think a live action Berserk would be better as a film, standalone, or series, or as a television series, perhaps on the Disney Channel? Uh. I think it would, if they were to do a live action with it, the best place would be a TV series, not on the Disney Channel, but on, like, through Netflix or somewhere like that. But traditionally, I'd say stick with the animation. Okay. Yeah, I would say that, like, a series would probably be best. Like, I'd be fine with, like, I don't know, like, the the way they did the rebuild movies, I think, maybe could work. Especially because those films are pretty short. Like, if they they did, like, a three, like, like how they did the Lord of the Rings, like, three three three-hour-long movies, it could probably work. But if that's, at the same time, nine hours, that's just about the same length as the series. Uh, that's only taking into consideration the Golden Age arc, though. Yeah, but that's what I would want adapted first, you know. Well, yeah. And then, and then they could do, you know, The Hobbit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> do you think Eraserhead would have been better if they filmed it with the color turned on? No. <laughs> with the color turned on. <laughs> Uh, I also don't. I think the film, you know, I think that some black and white films that are definitely like low budget are there just to be like low budget. Well, I think a lot of like low budget ones are just so to like save money. Yeah. Um, But that I think definitely adds to the atmosphere of like a dystopian kind of future, you know. I think it definitely adds to the film. I think with color it could work, but I don't know if it would work as well. Yeah. It would have been harder to make it work as well. Mm-hmm. And even if it had color, I think it would be very muted, like very dark, very like grimy. In order to match the tone that yeah. you're trying to present, yeah. But uh, also this says, P.S. E10 is my favorite. He loves you. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, then of course... Uh, this one, he really needed to answer. Question, question, question. Have you seen Potion Seller? Do you think it's an overall better movie compared to Eraserhead? Uh, no, and... You I haven't would... seen Potion Seller? No. Okay. Be right back, everybody. Oh. All right, everybody. We just got back from watching Potion Seller. So, to finish the question, do you think that was a better film than the David Lynch 1977 cult classic Eraserhead. Absolutely not. Uh, but pretty, like, on par, maybe? 
you, it had me for like the first 20 seconds. I was like, this is pretty funny. And then the same joke repeated itself again and again and again and again and again. And but I don't think you get it. He's a potion seller. Yeah. Potion seller, I'm going to battle. I need your strongest potion. You cannot handle my strongest potion. Potion seller, please give me your potions. I'm going to battle. I need your strongest potions. Oh, but my potions are so strong that they could kill Wolverine. Oh, but potion seller, I need some potions. Oh, but you see my potions, they're too strong for you. It just kept it kept going around. It spun like a record. Pierre watches nuts. that like six times a day. Pierre, you need help, buddy. <laughs> hey, you said you were his favorite. Don't be don't be bad mouthing him now. I'm not bad. I'm not bad mouthing him. I'm trying to help him out. <laughs> I'm trying to help him. He's like the Joker. <laughs> that guy should have played the Joker. Pierre? No, the guy who made potions seller. Oh. <laughs> you want a snack pack? No, I'm fine. Hey guys, I'm eating a snack pack. Eating some pudding. Button. Uh huh. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with my idea for the uh No, we gotta watch Potion Seller too. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was like, not what? Uh Alright. Movie idea. It's a movie about a guy who gets bit by a vampire. And he just tries Nicolas to... Nicolas Cage. I haven't seen that movie. I don't know if it's like quite similar to like what I actually have in mind. But I'll let you know. Basically, dude gets bit by a vampire. And uh, it's like a realistic kind of dark comedy about trying to adapt to his new life. Because it just kind of happens. Like He's like, well, I can't go to work anymore because I can't go out in the sunlight. Uh, so it's, like, him trying to, like, keep down, like, a night shift job, and it's, like, I don't know, just, like, him trying to, like, adapt so kind of like life. the one small bit in What We Do in the Shadows when they first turn that <laughs> one guy. Kind of, yeah, except I would try to do different things with it as yeah. opposed to what that movie did. Yeah, because I was just like, I can't eat food! Yeah, exactly. Uh, think that one bit, but stretched out into a whole movie. And like, four hours long? Probably, like, 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound scary. But it's like, I don't know what he would, like, do. Like, he's like, alright, well, I don't want to kill people. I want to still be a person and, like, live my life like I would have lived it. Except I'm a vampire now. So he, like, tries to keep his relationships, like, grounded, like, his friendships, his girlfriend or boyfriend. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, maybe he has parents that he has to, like, try and be like, hey, I'm kind of a vampire. I'm a vampire. Or maybe they're, like, super religious parents and they're like, no! He can't even go in because there's crosses there. Yeah, and they won't invite him in. He's like, fuck you! Let me in! Let me in! Ma, I just gotta take the TV. He can't even get into his own apartment because they, they leased it for him. Yeah. Fuck. He's like, they won't let him into his own apartment. He's like, I need you to invite me any time into my own apartment, Mom. She's like, no. No, fuck you. No son of mine's a vampire. You're not my son anymore. I. Okay, here's my idea. It's a zombie. Okay. Uh, and he. He goes out 
during... He's kind of like a sentient zombie. Maybe, like, zombies have, like, been underground kind of thing. Nobody really knows about them yet, but each time they infect somebody, the person is a little more sentient because the infection's a little more diluted each time. Okay. So he's kind of sentient in that he can, like, at least respond. Like, he can do things. He knows what's going on. And he wanders out on Halloween night because he wants to, you know, hang out with people. And he, like, wanders into a club and he accidentally, like, gets onto the dance floor. And he, he starts dancing. <laughs> and then he wins a competition that he didn't even know he was a part of. And so this gets him, like, a role in, like, a dancing show. So then he's on, like, a dance competition show. And he's a zombie, but he can't let anybody know. And it's like... (laughs) And he's, like, trying to win this competition while also, you know, like, eating brains. Ah. But in secret. And then nobody knows except, like, maybe his manager. Like, he gets a manager and he's like, A zombie... (laughs) Like, he can't even talk very well. And people just think it's part of his act. Ah. Uh, I'd watch it. Yeah. Uh, kind of, it, it doesn't hold very many similarities. Uh, very little. But have you ever seen Chud 2, Bud the Chud? I haven't seen either Chud. Uh, watch Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Have you seen Warm Bodies? Uh, I saw, like, bits and pieces of it. Not terrible. Uh, I, I didn't really like what it was going for. I feel uh, it. If you're okay with what it's going for, not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Not amazing or anything, but... Yeah. It's okay. Isn't that Nicholas Holt in that? I don't know the name of the main actor. You know, brother. Brother cousin. Yeah, so great horror-related movies for for us to talk about today. Yeah, so let's talk. Let's jump right into Paper Moon, nineteen seventy-three. Peter Bogdanovich, um, Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, Ryan O'Neill's a piece of shit. Thomas was telling me. I'm like, that's yeah. Why do people have to be bad? And uh, he. According to Angelica, Angelica Houston. Houston, yeah, uh, who is like the mom in the like Adams Family movies that have like Christina Ricci and Christopher Lloyd in them, because uh, they're doing a new Adams Family. Yeah, with with I, I'm, I wish the animation was better and the script was better because I like the cast. Yeah, and I, I'm totally okay with an animated movie, but I don't like the art style. Yeah, no, it looks like they're just trying to make it as cheap as possible. Yeah, but I'm like Oscar Isaac is a good pick for Gomez. And I think Charlize Theron is a good pick for more tip. Like, oh, I just wish it was... No, it didn't look so shit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, according to her biography, she was in, like, a relationship with uh, Ryan O'Neill for a brief period of time in the 70s, and uh, he grabbed her by the hair and... Uh, Pulled it and headbutted her. The fuck? That's like a wrestling move, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, that's what, that's what was described in the article I was reading about it. So, yeah, bad Ryan, bad, bad Ryan. I liked you with Barry Lyndon and this movie, and then I read that, and it I makes me want to like you a lot you. less. 
She's sad because I thought he was very good in this movie. Yeah, same. I way. I really enjoyed this movie though. I I had a ton of fun. Yeah, same. I was laughing the whole time, pretty much. I wasn't laughing the whole time, but there were, there. I think there was only one point where I actually laughed in the movie. Uh, actually, but I had. I a feel smile. like I was smiling the whole time. When I say I don't laugh a lot at movies, yeah. but the, the part where I laughed is the part where he was telling the. Uh, joke about the woman on the plane who, like, turned her pantyhose inside out and was like, oh, I was reading this magazine, and it was so hot that I had to turn the hose on me. And then he does, like, this obnoxious laugh. It's like, hey! Yeah, yeah he's like, <laughs> and, and I'm like, is that the joke? <laughs> I was like, is that, is that a real laugh? I can't tell, because he doesn't really laugh at all in the movie. Yeah. So I'm like... <laughs> Is that supposed to be just his character's laugh, or is he, like, trying to con this woman? Because if that's a fake laugh, that's a terrible fake laugh. I, I don't know, but whatever <laughs> it was, it had me in stitches. So this movie <laughs> is about a con man, and he shows up to this uh, woman's funeral that he used to bang. Yep. And there's a little girl there that's, like, nine, probably. Yeah. Um, And they're like... Did you know the mother? You you kind of have a resemblance to the daughter. Do you think she could be yours? He's like, no, I was just passing through. I was just a friend. And they're like, oh, okay. <coughs> and then, like, they start walking away and he's going to follow them. But he leans into the, the grave and he's like, I bet you still got a fine ass on you. <laughs> and I laughed at that part. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh. Sets you up to know what kind of a character we're dealing with. Oh, this film is also in black and white. Um, oh, yeah. It's set in the 30s, and it the whole movie feels like the 30s, at least to me. Like, it, it, they did a really good job. Like, even the way they filmed it reminded me of, like, that this could have been filmed in the 30s, and this was just, like, a restoration. Yeah. Uh, Except the sound quality is much too high. Yeah. <laughs> Probably some camera moves that would have been a little bit harder, depending on which particular part of the 30s that it was filmed in. Definitely. Uh, And also with the sound, because a lot of, like, early sound movies have very uh, little, uh, like, actual sound design. No, it was mostly the sound that I'm like, well... It definitely wouldn't have, like, this orchestra or, like, anything, you know, stuff like that. But... I did think the the film looked pretty gorgeous a lot of the time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was impressed. But you know me, I like too many movies. There's a lot of movies to like. Yeah, I'm going to watch every one. If I can become immortal somehow. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool. I'll have to keep trying to keep up, and then when the human race eventually dies out... I can watch all the films. Yeah. I'll have to, like, get them all so that, yeah. Yeah, you can raid, like, people's, like, property and maybe find some, like, bunkers or basements that might have some old, like, lost films on there. You never know. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so basically... Oh, they, and then they pressure Ryan O'Neill into yeah, taking. Yeah, he says girl. where he's headed. He's like, "I'm just passing through, going to St. Louis or something." And they're like, "St. Louis? Well, she's her her only relative. Her aunt lives in 
Joesville, St. Louis, or something like that. And yeah. he's like, oh, that's nice. Like, he literally was like, huh, cool. Yep. They're like, well, you should take her. And he's like, I don't know. I've never traveled with a child before. And I got to make a lot of stops. And they're like, but you're going along the way. So he's like, ah, fine. Yeah, so brings the little girl with him. He goes and blackmails a guy for money. Yep. He's like, listen, you killed her. Or your brother killed her mother. Give me, give me five grand or some shit, or three grand. He asked for three grand, and the guy's like, "I'll give, I'll give you two hundred dollars." He's like, "Okay, yeah." And she's right outside the door, listening in. Yeah. So he's like, he's like getting new tires on his car. He's like fixing it up so he can like make this drive. And she's like, "Are you my Paul?" Yeah. They go to a restaurant, and she's like, "Are you my Paul?" And he's like, no. And he's like, she's like, they said we have a resemblance. We got the same chin. He's like, so many people have the same chin. And she's like, well, if you ain't my pa, I want my $200 back. I like, want my $200. And he's like, what? And I want I heard. My- yeah. <laughs> she's and he's like, I don't have no $200 anymore. And even if I did, I wouldn't give it to you. And I ain't your pa. And she says, I want my $200. And they're like arguing. <laughs> I just love this scene. This they're like getting loud. Just like how you would have a regular argument with a person, like a regular adult person yeah. in a private setting. But they're just in the middle of this like coffee shop, just like banging on the table. I want my $200. Yeah. So, of course, he's like, well, I don't have your $200. She's like, well, you better get it then. Oh, this was after he had he had uh, bought her a plane ticket. Yeah. Uh, or not a plane, train, a train ticket. ticket. That's what I meant. And some, like, ice cream or whatever. Yeah, he bought a train ticket and, like, 20 bucks to give to her aunt. Yeah. But after she's like, I want my $200 or so I'm going to go to the police. Yeah. And he's just like, okay. And he cancels the train ticket and they start like driving to St. Louis. He's like, I'll just take you and then make money on the way. And then he introduces the con he does, yep. which is I so despicable, <laughs> but also so fucking genius and funny. Yeah. So what he does is he looks in the today's ob- obituaries or even yeah. like the week's obituaries. Finds um, a name. Finds Yeah, he finds name. like an old man's name. He's like, Garth Hardred. Yeah. And he goes, he's like, is Mr. Hardred here? And she's like, no, he died about a week ago. And he says, oh, I must have seen him not not more than a month ago. Yeah, you ordered a Bible with uh, the name, insert your name here on it. He has like stamps that he like puts their names in. And they're just like, well, I want to keep the Bible. He's like, you don't have to. I can give you back your dollar deposit. And... Like, no, like, no, I'll take it. And it's usually like eight bucks, which is pretty expensive for the yeah. 30s. But of course, the little girl drives it up. Yeah. The first one. She's the like, first one, she's like, 12 bucks. And she's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but they get that $12 and uh, they start the Bible salesman. But she's also more ethical than him. Like, they go to a family that, like, it has is, a shit ton of kids. She, yeah, it's like a young mother. So her. Husband died pretty young, and they have like eight kids. And she's like, "Why would she? He spend money on a Bible? What yeah. the fuck's wrong with him?" <laughs> um, she just she, gives the Bible. She's like, it, "It's paid for." Here you go. 
Leaves. Um, and then later on, they find, like, a really rich woman's house. And he's just trying to do his regular spiel, but she notices that she's, like, rich. So she's like, it's $24. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Because <laughs> she's rich, so she doesn't know what Let money is. Let me go grab my purse. Uh, and then she gives another extra five just for yeah. being like, I'm like, what the fuck? Shit. Okay. But, so they, they just start, like, conning their way across America. Yep. Just until, doing little things. Until they arrive at a circus. Yep. And there is a certain tent put up that has a certain woman. Yeah. There's a tent that's, I think it's called, like, Harem Girls. Yeah. And it's like, like you, you pay for it and you can go see, like, sexual dancing. It's yep. like a, it's like a, like a flapper strip girl place. kind of thing. I, no, flapper girls are like 20s. Yeah. Probably. Not in circus tents, but so uh little little girl, what is her name? What are their names? Uh it's like Roxy or some it's some it's some like trashy name. Well I mean even the main characters. I can't Oh. Uh it's Woes or Moses. Yeah, Moses, because they call yeah, him Mo all the time. Uh, and then Addie Loggins. Yeah. Oh shit. Trixie, I think, was the name of... Oh, uh, shit! One girl. I think that's Ryan O'Neill's actual daughter. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a neat piece of trivia. Oh, and she's the youngest person ever to win a competitive Academy Award. Oh, that's pretty cool. She won, she won one for this movie. Nice. Man, that's that's really cool. Even though Ryan O'Neill's an asshole, apparently. Well, hopefully his daughter's not. Yeah, and she deserves that credit. Uh, assuming that she didn't do anything bad when she grew up. But yeah, they they meet this woman. She's just trying to have a good time. She's treating him like a dad, even yeah. though they don't know. Yeah, like it's pretty heavily implied he's her father, but yeah. they never say it, mm-hmm. which is fine. I think it actually adds to it. Oh, okay. like, um, but she just wants to have a little picture with him in this paper moon. Yep. And he's like, no, I'm going to go pay all my money to go see these women dance. You've already seen her half a dozen times. And, and I, I might see, see her half, half a dozen more. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. He's so much like a Barry. Like, I got so many. It's like, like Barry Lyndon in the 1970s. Exactly. It's like your or the 1930s. Times, yeah, you're right. It's time scale. What Barry Lyndon's in like. 1700 or what? Yeah, the 18th century. Just time skip 200 years. Barry Lyndon's great, 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 great grandson. Ryan O'Neill always plays an opportunist. (laughs) Um, So then he tries, he somehow convinces this woman to be like, I'll drive you to where you need to go. Yeah. And they take her and her like servant. Yeah, they call her maid in the movie. but. But she's like not really paid. She's like a young black girl. And apparently this girl, Trixie, yeah. she had been like, I'll give you $4 a week. And she's like, I never have seen a single penny. Yeah. Except for like occasional drinks or something. Yeah. But she's like, it's still better than just, I, I don't have money to get home to my family. So I'm kind of stuck like this. I'm like, yeah. that's so sad. Fuck Trixie. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, even if I did, my mom would say I'd be better off working for this white lady. And it's like, oh my God. Oh, terrible. So, uh... They start going across the country. 
uh, Ryan O'Neill's character Moses is like spending all of his money on her. Yeah, he, he buys, buys a, a new, new car. car. <laughs> He's like, they have like eight hundred bucks, and I think when they like finally like get rid of her in the film, they have like two hundred left. Yeah, <laughs> like Jesus, they're like going to fancy hotels every time they go to a hotel. Well. She has to pee a lot, so they're stopping literally, like, every few hours for her to go pee. Yeah. Uh, Addie Loggins fucking hates her. Oh, yeah. And, like, is like, I want to sit up front! <laughs> yeah, especially after she basically gets confirmation from, uh... Oh, what, what's the maid's character? Emojine, I think her name is. Emojine? Emojine. Okay. I-M-O-G-E-N-E. Okay. Uh... Um, but, uh, she basically gives her, like, the confirmation, like, yeah, she's just trying to take she just uses for everything for, he's worth. For money. Which is yeah. fine, you know? If he's stupid enough to fucking... It's pretty obvious, and he's just like, especially because he's a con man. That's yeah. so funny. I love it when, like, con yeah. men are con I had that thought process, because there's, like, that bit coming up where, like, she's, like, down at the motel when they're, like, initiating their plan to get rid of her, and she's like... Like, oh, you know, she's uh, sick, don't go up there. And it's like, you are totally getting conned right now, and you have not the slightest idea, even though all this is terribly suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they... After they get confirmation, and even even Trixie tells her pretty much, she's like, I'll be gone soon. Yeah, she's like, I'm gonna level with you. I know you don't like me. I just want to bleed them dry, and then I'll leave. (laughs) But they get to a hotel... And they hatch a plan to get rid of uh, her, and she tells Emojin that she'll give her $30 or something like that to to get home to her mother and have a little bit of extra money, because I think train tickets were like 12 bucks. Yeah, something like that. They'd still have like $18, which is like a decent amount for the 30s to like at least get food for like... A couple weeks, probably, or something. You know, it, it would help. Like, $18 yeah. would actually help quite a bit. Um, so she's like, okay, I'm in. So the the daughter, Addie, had noticed that the, the clerk had... Um, been hitting on Trixie? Yeah, and he'd be, like, staring at her ass as she walks up. Yeah. So she starts to convince him that uh, Trixie likes him. And Trixie will do, like, Trixie will sleep with men for money, if it's enough money. For, like, five dollars. Hey, five bucks is five bucks, am I right? Yeah. But, uh, she gets emoji to be like, hey, the clerk will have sex with you for twenty-five dollars. Yeah. And I'd be like, fuck, twenty-five bucks? Nineteen thirty? I'd probably do that. <laughs> so she's like, oh, fuck, maybe I should do that. So they pretty much they just get them into a compromising position, and then they send Ryan O'Neill's character Moses up to the room, and he finds out. I love there's that bit where they're trying to like secure some time to like get the like lobby boy to go up there, and uh, they're like, "Oh well, Trixie won't see you today until this evening because she's sick." He's like, oh, she's sick. I gotta go up and help her. And then they <laughs> insinuate like, that she's, she's on, her, on her, period. her period. He's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, I guess I'll just see her this evening. Like, I don't, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I I thought that like, scene was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, why, why are men still today? There's so many men that are like so uncomfortable with a woman's period. They're like, bleeding from vagina? Oh no. Oh no, bleed. <laughs> but then they get uh, the guy up there and then they're like, quick, she, she needs you, go up. And then he finds out. Yeah. He's like, Addy, we're leaving. Then they leave. Yep. And they're back on the road, and he's none the wiser. I thought, like, they would bring it back in the film. Yeah, you thought it'd be some sort of, like, like second act downer. Yeah, but I'm so glad they didn't. They just, yeah. Because it's just like, she conned him. That was it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> he's just like, oh, Addy, promise me, when you grow up, you won't, like, go to treat men like that or whatever. And, it's like, and this had been... This had been a two-month period of traveling with Trixie. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize it was that long until they said it. I'm like, whoa! And she's like, come on, Mo, let's do some fucking conning. So they do, they decide to do, like, a con. Uh, they're, like, sitting outside of a bar at night that they stopped at, and they see a guy that keeps leaving and coming it's, back in. It's a, I thought it was a hotel, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it was. It's just there, there is a yeah, but I think there also is a bar or something. But yeah, it I might think it's the front desk. Yeah, that's just a, everything's a bar. But there, there was yes. a lot of alcohol being served there. So. There is a hotel. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't a bar <laughs> because uh, alcohol is illegal, or at least whiskey, hard liquors. Yeah. I think were illegal in the county they were in, or something like that. Yeah. It, does this movie take place in the 30s for <sighs> sure? Like, do they say that, or does it take place in the 20s during like prohibition? Um, it's during the Great Depression, so it's at least after 29. Okay. I'm not sure how long uh, Prohibition lasted for either. But he, he finds, he finds bootleggers, a bootlegger. Yeah. And <laughs> this scam is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> they, so he follows, he has Addy follow him. And he, she finds where all the alcohol is being stored, and uh-huh. there's like an there's like a shack with crates and crates of it inside. And he tells, or she tells him where it is, and he fucking breaks into it and steals like a lot of whiskey. ten crates of whiskey or some shit. And then he goes and talks to the guy, and he's like, "You want to buy ten? Cr-? The same guy he just stole from. You want to buy ten crates of whiskey?" And the dude's like. It's like, okay. Yeah, so they meet up at a empty field. Uh, they sell the whiskey for, like, what? $600 plus their 200 625 so yeah. So they had, like, 800 dollars. But then, of course, as soon as they leave, the police are on their tail. Yeah, because they overheard that bit where he's like, <laughs> bought his own whiskey. Uh, and, of course... Well, it's not even that. It's just that... It turns out that the the sheriff or whatever is yes. the guy's brother. It's played by the same. Guy. Yeah. So. And it's just. Like, you think at first maybe they they heard you know bought his own whiskey, but it's just this guy like is getting rid of his competition. Mm-hmm. So it's just like ah. Hmm. So they they have a car chase, uh, a very short car chase. Yeah. They're immediately arrested, and they're like, "Where's the money?" And he's like, "I'm not a bootlegger." Yeah. And they're looking for the money everywhere. And she had hidden it, like, in her hat, in a, like, certain, like, seam. Yeah. So even when they, like, rip off her hat, they can't find it. Yeah, because it's and got, like, like, the solid, like, mat, and then it's got, like, the kind of, like, 
they like confiscate his car, but then they leave the keys on the desk. And she like, when she's like, can I get my stuff? And she like picks up all her stuff, her hat, and she swipes the key without the guy noticing. Because only one person's guarding them at this point. Yeah. The other guy got the phone call or something. Oh, yeah. He went to go talk to his brother. And then as they fucking, she's like, I gotta go. Hey, dad. Hey, hey, Mo. I gotta go to the shit house. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? Why are you saying it like that? He's like, oh, okay. And he's she's like, like I'm oh, scared. Can you come with me? And he's like, oh, fine. So he takes them down. And then as, they, as soon as they open the door, she's like, run. Yeah. And they start running. Like, are you fucking crazy? Because the dude, like, the cop had, like, a had, little had a, shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? So they run outside and jump in the car and are, like, speeding away. And they have yeah. another car chase. <laughs> but they, like, get away. So yeah. a couple of like maneuvers. Now we're to the part, the best part in the fucking yeah, movie. This is like almost the end. Um, they're like, we gotta switch cars. So they pull up to this farmhouse. Yeah. And there's like this really shitty little truck. And they're like, listen, we'll, they knock on the door. There's this old guy. They're like, we'll swap with you. There's like an almost brand new car. You just gotta wait a couple weeks before driving it because the cops are after us. Yep. And he's like, oh, he just kind of, he doesn't say anything. He just wanders back in. He's like, well, I guess he's thinking about it. And he goes and looks at the truck and like doors falling off. And then five people start wandering out. One of them being Randy Quaid. Oh man, Randy Quaid. (laughs) I wish Randy Quaid wasn't the worst. Yeah, but he's gone off the deep end in recent times, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Even, like, just a couple days ago, he, like, was... He, like, made a video about how much he loves Trump. Oh, I... I, See, I didn't... I didn't know he was, like, a big Trump supporter. Oh, he's a big Trump. I knew he was, like, a big, uh... A big, uh, like, conspiracy theorist. Yeah, that would be fine, but... No, he's also, like, racist. (laughs) Oh, he's fantastic. Oh. Uh, but... He, he actually plays the perfect role. He's like this big hillbilly guy who like, he's like, we're not going to swap. And he's like, why? It's a brand new car. He's like, can't fit anything in it. Yeah, not good for and loading stuff on it. Moses is like, you can just sell it and get two more new trucks. I ain't going to do swap. it. He's like, I'll wrestle you for it. <laughs> Fucking Moses is like, I'll wrestle you. He's like, what kind of wrestling? Like any kind. Any kind. Barefoot, foot, you know. Yeah. So then they wrestle, yep, and, which uh, really just means fight, I guess. Like I thought they were just gonna wrestle, but then Moses just kicks him in the fucking like face. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wrestling. Yes, and uh, so he gets the truck. And they go and they cross the state lines, and uh, and they get to St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, they get to like the first fucking city. Past state lines, and they're like, oh, well, I guess we're safe now. Because they can't be arrested, I guess. Which, you know, is true, I guess. Yeah, if you were dealing with a noble policeman, but you're dealing yeah. with some uh, crooked... So they go inside somewhere. What, what, what were they going inside? I think, I think it's like a hotel, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. And uh, Moses comes out, and the police and his brother, who's the bootlegger, and the other police officer are all there. And he just starts running. Yeah. And he's running, and they corner him in, in like, an alley. Yep. And they beat the shit out of him. They beat the shit out of him. 
And uh, yeah. Addie finds him after... Because they were waiting for, like, a con. Yeah, there was some dude they were supposed to meet on some street corner, and she watches and that dude for a little bit, and he, like, walks, walks away, away after a certain time. She's like, where the time. fuck is Moses? And, and he starts walking, and she hears, like, the faint sounds like, Addie, Addie! And I'm like, is Moses a ghost? Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's, like, on a, like, doorstop, a doorstep on, like, a stoop. Just like, ugh. He's like, man, took all of it. She's like, well, I kept $10. He's like, what the fuck's $10 gonna do? She's like, we can get a Bible. Yeah. We can get some Bibles and do it all again. It's like, no. Fair point. So he drives her to her aunt's house. Yep. And it's been like three or four months. Yep. And she goes up to the door and she's like, you're a lot. She's like, shit. What the fuck? Come in then. She's like, you're going to love it here. And he's like slowly driving away. He like stops kind of like at the end of the road. And he's or like right after there's at the end of the road, there's like a little hill and he like stops. And he's like kind of, he's like really sad. Yeah. Because I'm sure he's known the entire time. That's his daughter, you know? And even then they like became like best friends and he's had like a traveling companion for the first time that he actually like likes. That's like a good, good for him. Yeah. And he's right as he's about to start going. Find a little Addy. What? Well, he finds the envelope with the picture of her by herself on the paper moon. Oh yeah, which um, was also sad. Yeah. And then he like looks in his rearview mirror and, and Addie's running with her little suitcase. She's running towards him. She's like, I'm coming. He's like, what do you, you can't do, you can't come with He's me. He's like, I don't like, want to travel with you. She's like, but you still owe me my $200. And then the car starts rolling. The car, the shitty like, ass car starts rolling. He's like, ah, oh, damn it. All right, come on. And they so like, they, run. they start running. They start booking it. Yep. And, and then they jump in, and the, and the film and the film ends with them running after the car and jumping in. Yep. And it's like well, there's a couple sense. scenes that I'm like, this was very dangerous for Addie. Yeah. Like she when she jumps in the car at the end. Yeah, I was, I was. But also, do that. you remember when they were she was riding on the crates? Yeah. And the boot, the like with... they like almost get knocked over, and I'm like, what the fuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they probably had, like, safety harnesses. Yes, and, and I don't, like, she wouldn't have gotten really hurt if she just fell off. Of At the, least that's or, what you like to think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't there on set. Uh, but this is the 70s. It's not quite like the death trap that the film industry well, was. Maybe, well, maybe earlier. they wanted to be really genuine of the 30s. Uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very funny, but also, like, really, like, pretty endearing. Yeah. It was, it was like, a kind of a feel-good movie about, you know, these con people. Yeah, nice little light drama yeah. comedy, but mostly comedy. Not super drama. high stakes, but, like, well-written and well-acted and fun. Yeah. It's a really, lot of fun. I really uh, enjoyed this it one. Really, you should watch Matchstick Men, the Ridley Scott, Nicolas Cage movie. Because he's a con man who meets his daughter and cons with her. Oh, okay. Like, it's... Yeah, the same movie, just different different takes. Yeah, like, they, they do have similarities. And that movie's fantastic as well. I really like that movie. But I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I was having a ton of fun with it. Oh, yeah. I was just smiling the whole time. Like, this is great! Yeah, no, my smile was on my face until I read that article about... Yeah. And there's no even, like, real, like, big drama that happens besides the end of him being, like, beat up. Yeah, the major conflict of the movie is, like, Trixie. Yeah. much that and then the big, uh, like, the uh, fucking... 
heist at the end with yeah. uh but even that, they're like small scale like things, and there's no like huge climax of the film, which I enjoyed for it. Yeah, because it was supposed to be like small scale, so having like this big fucking thing happen would be yeah. It's not like disingenuous the, to the film's tone, I guess. Yeah, it's not like Thanos showed up and the <laughs> Avengers started like kicking ass or anything. And he's like, I'm gonna con Thanos out of his glove. <laughs> Dude, I'd watch that. <laughs> There's a con they do. Uh, He's like, see a those lot, gems. It's like, I bet. We hey, can it. I have change for that? I'll give you these four ones if you give me that five. And he's like, oh, you know what? Actually, or no, I have this five. If you just give me those four ones, then I'll have five. And then as soon as they're trying to count and talk to other people, he's like, okay, how about this? You take those five ones and this five right here, and you give me that ten. So they steal five bucks from somebody by yeah. doing this. So they do it a couple times, and they're like, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, I really liked uh, I thought that was a pretty good because he did it once and then Addy did it once I thought that was a pretty good like, yeah they did it with the uh, like $20 he like went up and bought something and she gave the cashier a five and he, he had like written oh yeah there was another con that they did yeah. but I just mean like he did that to the, the woman that he bought ribbon from he yeah. got the five dollars from and then by doing the, oh, give me the five, like just fast talking. And then Addy did it at the carnival. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. felt like that was a good kind of like being like, hey, they're related. Yeah, the carnival's like, here, I'll give you this. Just leave me alone. Well, stop bothering me. <laughs> uh, but they also do another uh, con where she writes or he writes from Aunt Lucy or something like yeah. that. On a $20 bill, and she pays for something with a five, and she's like, You gave me the wrong change! I gave you a 20! She's like, No, you didn't, you gave me a five, and then she starts doing that. She starts like crying. Yeah, crying. You gave me the wrong change! And the owner comes out, he's like, What's wrong? She's like, She's stealing money from me! I gave her a 20 from my aunt, and it had this on it. And it said, I love you, Addie, on it. And he opens the tell, and there's a Dollar or a twenty with it, and he said, "Ah, here." He like gives her the twenty, the whole twenty back. Yeah, so give her some candy gets, too. He so she also gets like the five dollars in change yeah. and then some candy. <laughs> we should do that. Yeah, we should become common. I'd be down. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, Make some money off. The only real people. problems I had with the film is I think that the I think the time with Trixie went on a little too long. Yeah, because I think that. The the dialogue between Mo and Addy was so fucking good. I thought it was great. Like they're they they had like great. I guess because they're actually related, they have this great chemistry. Yeah. Especially like the first argument they got in um, in the car where they're like, "Well, we gotta just stop somewhere. We gotta go through somewhere." And they're like, "Well, we can go there." And like yeah. Arguing it. I was like, "This is so good." And I didn't, th- I didn't think they had enough opportunity to do that when Trixie was in the car. And there were a couple good moments with Trixie, but I think it just went on a little too long. Yeah. So maybe if they cut back those scenes a little bit, I think the film would have been... Mwah! But right now it's... Mwah. Yeah. I'd probably agree. Um, when it- I gave this movie a 9. I really, really liked this movie. Oh. I gave this movie a 7. Nice. So, so that means our average? 8. eight. Yeah. So uh, go watch Paper Moon. Yeah. Uh, try not to think about Ryan yeah. O'Neill and Fuck. what he did to uh, Angelica Houston. Fucking a wrestling ass move. Yeah. I guess he got it from Randy Quaid. Yeah. In this movie. 
or the red coat that he beats up in uh, Barry Linden. Okay, we'll be right back because I'm gonna go do something real quick and then we'll talk about Birdman. All right, hey everybody, we just took a, a bit of a break. We're back. Um, we watched an extra little film. Yeah. Uh, we just watched The Black Balloon, which is a short 20-minute film by the Softy Brothers, who are best known for Good Time with Robert Pattinson. They're called the Softy Brothers? Yeah, it's Benny and Johnny Softy. Hmm. S-A-V, or S-A-F-D-I-E. Ah, I thought... Not Softy. Okay. Uh, Benny and Josh Softy. Oh. Um, Benny is also the, the brother in Good Time. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we watched The Black Balloon, which is a short film they made about a, a black balloon that's sentient. Yeah. yeah. And just wanders around the city and experiences other people's drama. And then it ends with him breaking his comrades out of their prison. Yeah, a balloon van. It was yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. I would give it, I don't know, probably like a six. Yeah, maybe. no, I'd give it like six. It was interesting. There was, there was like, it was just kind of like a, the balloon was just a frame to show like small little problems that people face. Yeah. Well, it, it ranges, you know, somebody was fired for being a stupid dumb dumb on TV. Uh, but then like another guy was homeless and he was trying to get food from his son. Yeah. His son's like, fuck you, dad. And then another one is like a little girl. And, like, her mom won't stop making out with her boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, stop it! And then she tries to kill the balloon, and the balloon's like, time to leave. Yep. And at the end, he, he's just, like, banging, the balloon's just banging against this, like, glass window on this van. And I'm like, wouldn't it be so funny if he just broke the glass? And then he broke the glass. Yep. And the balloons rush to leave, and some of them pop, but some of them fly up into the air, free at last. Yep. It was beautiful. It was. I did really like... And it had some... I really like the songs in it. Yeah. The, the, my biggest complaint was probably all of the acting. Yeah. All of um, the acting was pretty bad. <laughs> but whatever. It yeah. was fine. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. It, just it felt works like for it, a yeah. short film about a sentient black balloon. Yeah, I mean, the first segment, I think, was okay. Like, at least comparatively. Yeah. The rest was... Also, I think the dad, the, like, homeless dad, he was okay. I thought the son yeah. was pretty bad. I thought the son was really bad, yeah. <laughs> Please, leave me alone. <laughs> balloon, stay here. Uh, the balloon's acting was very good, though. Yeah, no, the balloon. Yeah, so Oscar. If you have the Criterion channel, it's available on there. It's probably also available on YouTube, but yeah, it was I'm a sure fun little time. Also, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Their yeah. new movie comes out in like a month and a half. Yeah, I'm excited to see that one. Yes, I've heard nothing but great things. Yeah, I've heard some pretty good things. And okay, let's get on with it. We're going to be talking about Birdman. Birdman, which is... Technically a Disney superhero movie now. Oh, shit. It technically is. I mean, it, it wasn't made under that. Yeah, no, it was in the Fox Searchlight, oh. which Fox Searchlight usually does pretty good movies. They make good movies, but they're terrible at distributing them. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. I, have you seen this movie before? Yeah. Okay, I hadn't seen this movie before. 
I'd been meaning to because I'm trying to watch all the Oscar best winners, and this did win best picture in 2014. Yep. I had seen it when it, like, first hit DVD. I really loved this movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, same here. I, um, I'm always a fan of films that are at least presented as one take. And yeah. pretty much the entire film. It's obvious. It's pretty obvious when they do cut. Yeah. Because, like, let's go into this hallway for, like, five seconds. Mm. Or let's, let's turn really fast. Yeah. But... Even still, I think most of the takes were still probably like 10 minutes each. Yeah. They were, they were still pretty long takes. And yeah. It's I, I love long takes. In that takes. regard. Uh, it's funny because I used to really hate gimmicks, but I kind of love gimmicks in films now if they are used correctly. Yeah. Like long takes can be so like, they can elevate a film so much for me because I'm just like, this is so fascinating. And it tends to cause people to like not even like necessarily stumble in their acting but like maybe do a little hiccup but like it it sometimes feels more natural in a long take yeah. because it it's like you don't just if somebody makes a mistake when talking they just keep talking exactly it's, but you would cut in a like a regular edited movie yeah and I feel like the long take and there, there was a couple moments in Birdman where they kind of stumble over their words but keep going yeah and I feel like the long takes, like, make sense, given the context of the movie, of it being a about a play. Yeah. And actors literally just do one giant long take. I mean, it'll be comprised of whatever scenes, and they'll have blackouts in between. But, yeah, no, they stage actors have to do this kind of shit all the time. And that's basically what it was, because your average, like, stage scene is, like, seven to ten minutes Maybe like 15 if it's a really dramatic point in the story, this which is about the takes in this movie. Yeah. This was also my first time watching an Alejandro Gonzalez. What? Uh, what else is in he done? The Revenant. Ah, I just got the four. We were supposed TV. to watch The Revenant today for movie day. But yeah, that was one of the days not happening. That was one of the reasons why I didn't want to come because I literally just bought Interstellar and The Revenant on 4K ah. for my new TV. And then Lucero was like, well, I want to watch one of these two. And I'm like, no, I'm just about to watch those on my new 4K TV. Um, we also, he also did the movie Amores Peros. Oh, yeah. Which I've, I've heard nothing yeah, but great. I've heard great things about pretty much all his movies. He also did a movie called Babel. I haven't heard about that. Uh, it has Brad Pitt in it. Oh, yeah. Love uh, you, you, I think you've probably seen this poster. Maybe? Uh, I've seen posters like it. I don't know if I've seen like that um, specific one. And then the last movie that I've really heard of that he's done is a movie called 21 Grams with uh, oh. Sean Penn and Benicio Del Toro and oh. Naomi Watts. But, I, you know, he's apparently a very, very good director. And seeing as how much I love Birdman, I could probably see that. Yeah. Um, Birdman, the premise of the movie is Michael Keaton... Love him. Uh, he is kind of a washed, washed yeah. up actor. He used to be in. He it's like he's like Tobey Maguire. He, he's no. basically playing himself if he didn't have that rejuvenation in his career. Yeah, he's he's basically playing a lot of actors in their fifties yeah. and sixties. Um, he's like a washed up actor. He used to be in. He was in a superhero trilogy called Birdman. That was like the character he's known for, and then. He's just kind of been in a bunch of shit since. Yep. But he, he wants to do this play on Broadway. And 
He also thinks that he's psychic. Yeah, no, he's he's crazy. Yeah. Well, no, maybe it's real. Well, uh, I think that there is some uh, kind of transitions in the film where we see what he's thinking <laughs> yeah. versus what's that. But like he, on. for instance, um, at the very beginning, he, there's an actor he's working with who's just very not good at acting. Yep. And so he psychically has a light yeah. fall on top of him. And uh, gets rid of that real fast. And so... And then he tells his manager, who's also his best friend, who's also Zach Galifianakis. Yep. Who's actually really good in this movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed Zach Galifianakis in this. Yeah. Like a more, like, serious role. He's not in it, like, too much, but the scenes where he is... He's mostly in it in, like, the first, like, 20 minutes, I would say. Yeah, and then he shows up for, like, bits and pieces towards the last But, like, that that first parts with him and Michael Keaton were really good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh, But, yeah, basically, they're trying to figure out uh, which actor they're going to get to replace this guy, and they're talking about, like, possible lawsuits that are going to happen, because Michael Keaton admits, like, yeah, I did that on purpose. And he's like, well, what the fuck? Are you fucking drunk? Yeah. Like, and also, he doesn't believe that he did, because he's just like, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean you did? It's, uh, um, and then his co, one of the co-actresses he's working with is like, hey, I'm fucking Mike Shiner. Yeah, uh, Naomi Watts. Yeah. And then uh, Mike Shiner is played by uh, Edward, Edward Norton, Norton, who probably just plays himself. Yeah, <laughs> he's a notoriously hard to work with actor, and kind of does some of the things that I don't think is that he's as creepy in the no, in real I, life. As I, 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 I haven't heard anything about him being like kind of a pervert, but in terms of like trying to take over the project and like be a director himself when he's the actor, yeah, that's the kind. And of I'm stuff. like, dude, just direct a movie then. Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, if you want to be in the director's chair, be in the director's chair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know this, Edward Norton, but there, there are directors who are also the stars of their own movies. Yeah. Just look at um, uh, the, the Mule with Clint. Yeah, look at like most Clint Eastwood movies. He directed Gran Torino, The Mule. Outlaw Josue Baby. Yeah. That's a good movie. Uh, but yeah, so they bring on this new actor and he is amazing. He's very good at acting. He immediately like changes up Michael's Keaton's script a little bit. They like have this back and forth and it's like a really good scene. Yeah. Um, he, 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 and he Mike Keaton's like, Hey, this is, this is a good idea. You know, it's like, yeah. but then like they, they go through the, they have three preview shows before their actual opening night. So people can come and they can pay like half price and they can watch. It's pretty much watching a rehearsal. Yeah. It's like a big dress rehearsal, except there's an audience. Though. But like, and you do Edward Norton's times. character is like, he's actually drinking gin on stage. And yeah. Michael Keaton tries to sneak and switch his gin with water. And then, and then he, like, freaks out. And he's trying thing. to... He goes into his monologue, and then Edward Norton's behind him going, like, what the fuck is this? Is this fucking water? Are you watching a movie on your fucking phone? Yeah. No. <laughs> and he freaks out. Breaks. Edward Norton should play David Lynch in a biopic. Uh... Maybe they even kind of look similar, except the hair. He he would have to do some pretty good makeup effects, but I think that that would. He could do the attitude though. I I think that he would be a contender for a good 
Black. Or Jack Black. Just have him look nothing like him. I, th- I feel like Jack Black would play a better Jack Nance than he would a David Lynch. Dude. <laughs> Jack Black could play Jack Nicholson. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but... <laughs> they should redo The Shining with Jack Black. <laughs> yes. Uh, I... I, I still, like, so desperately want to see, like, Jack Black, like, continue to, like, step out of his, like, typecast yeah. and play, like, a really, really just straight dramatic role. Serial killer. Yeah. He just, should be in season three of Mindhunter. I'm sure they could probably find a serial killer he could wind up with. But, uh... Oh, he could become a real serial killer in real life and play himself. Here we go. Perfect. Uh... I did it for the role. <laughs> <laughs> it's called extreme method acting. Yeah. Uh, but, so, Michael Keaton freaks out and he's basically confronts the Zach Galifianakis. He's like, get that guy the fuck out of here. Zach Galifianakis is like, no. No, you literally made me pay him so much money. And, and we've, we've sold out because of it. Like, we're, yeah. we're selling so many tickets. He's like, ah! So we like, and then Edward Norton comes back and he's like, that was a good joke. Oh, like, also, what? one thing that happened before the scene where Edward Norton freaked out, uh, it was right before his character went on stage, Michael Keaton's, but uh, he's been, like, sleeping around with one of the actresses and uh, she tells him now that she's pregnant. Yep. And he's like, oh. Well, she says she's missed two of her periods. Yeah. Um, and uh, Also, she, Edward Norton's been hanging around and, like, uh, Emma Stone is in the movie as Michael Keaton's daughter. Yeah, there's a scene because uh, uh, after Edward Norton gets like, naked. Yeah, because uh, there's a scene where like he's first rehearsing with Michael Keaton, and then they go to get him fitted, and he's just like, "Nice ass," just and she's and like, then, "Are you fucking serious?" And then she like was standing there, and she's the, like behind the like, tailor uh, is like, "Okay, take off your pants," and he just isn't wearing underwear. He's just standing. There I like naked. how the tailor's like down, like focused on his work, and he looks up and he's, he's like, like, "What the fuck? Where are your underpants? <laughs> like, under my bed, I think." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. It's like oh. uh, this is show business. Don't be so self conscious. Uh, then back to the present. Uh, Michael Keaton, you know, is having a rough time, but they, they do do the second rehearsal. Yeah. And, but, uh, this time around, is this when he goes outside? That's the final rehearsal. Okay. What? Did anything uh, bad happen the second time around? The second time around, they got through the whole thing. Um, it, I think the second time around is the Oh, time. the boner! Yeah, I was gonna say where Edward yeah, So the, the climax of the film has Michael Keaton's character like banging on the door and interrupting The climax of the play that they do Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant The climax of the play is that Michael Keaton is like banging on the door and interrupts like his wife or his girlfriend Yeah, his wife's uh, having an affair on him and he Yeah uh, you know, has a gun. And Edward Norton is trying to actually fuck his girlfriend, who's and in she the play. Is not She's like, girl. fuck that! No, stop! And he's being really creepy. He's like, like come on, let's fuck! And yeah. he has a giant boner, and then Michael Keaton bursts through the door, and Edward Norton's like, stop! Don't do it! He has a giant boner on yeah. stage. <laughs> and people are laughing, they're like, ah! They're trying to do, like, this good performance, and Edward Norton just has a giant boner and it's I mean, he would in that... If that were, like, really happening. Just saying. 
And apparently, the, after the scene, we find out he's had trouble, like, in real life getting it up. Yeah. And he's like, because this isn't my real life. When I'm on stage, that's my real life. Out here, that's when I act. He's being all stupid and edgy. Yeah. <laughs> but it fits his character. Um, uh, but yeah, so they finish that scene. Naomi Watts basically breaks up with uh, Edward Norton's character. And then he's like, come on, babe. And then he, she goes and she talks to the other woman who, like, has been yeah, fucking the other actress, Michael Keaton, and then they make out. Yep. Uh, just, then, it's, it's, that's true in theater. Everybody just fucks everybody. I mean, not when I was in theater, but... Yeah, that's because nobody wanted to fuck you. God, oh no! I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, just kidding. You were also in high school theater. Yes, that is true. Uh... But uh, if we join theater now, we'd be getting all the, all the vagina and the butthole, yes, and the cock, yes, big old cocks. Uh, but <laughs> oh yeah, basically uh, Naomi Watts like this is her first Broadway show, and it's Michael Keaton's first one too. And she's like, I just keep waiting for someone to tell me that I've made it. And then Michael Keaton comes in, and he's like. You made it. You're beautiful. You're great. You're talented. I need you for this show. And, and, then I, and I appreciate you or yeah. something like that. And, and his then girlfriend the, gets jealous. And then she says that and then they kiss. Yep. Also, going back to the first night, I forgot about this. After uh, Edward Norton had gotten drunk, they go out. Michael Keaton's like, I gotta fucking talk to you. And they go into this bar and they talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, what they're talking about is like, hey, listen... You know, you, this fails for you, you go back to Hollywood, you make a stupid-ass movie, and no matter what, you make money. But me, I'm putting my life on the line every time to get my paycheck to, to live. Yep. And he's like, dude, this play is all I have. I've put everything into this play, because Michael Keaton has spent, like, all of his money on this play. Yeah. He like he he says he's gonna refinance one of his houses, mm-hmm. who's, which is like supposed to go to his daughter, and his like ex wife is fucking pissed about it. Yeah, but he's like, I, I don't have any money. And then they point out uh, that there's the critic, and who's yeah, the only person whose opinion the matters. nostalgia critic is sitting at the at the end of the counter, and she's like, I remember it, so you don't have to. And Edward Norton goes up to her, and she like they don't really like each other, but. Yeah, they she's have, like, what if I give you a bad review? Like, what are you going to do when I give you a bad review? And he's like, you, you'll give me a bad review <laughs> when, when I, I give you a bad performance. And he, like, dabs and he walks out. Yep. And uh, uh, the thing that Michael Keaton's character had, he pulls out, like, a cocktail napkin and he talks oh, about when he... Yeah, Edward Norton asks why he's doing this play by James, or Ray Carver. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, because when I was in high school, I was in theater, and Ray Carver was in the audience, and he gave me this napkin, and it said, thank you for an honest and good performance, Ray Carver. And Edward Norton's like, it's on a cocktail napkin, he was wasted. (laughs) (laughs) That's me! People can be wasted and still enjoy things, Edward Norton. Yeah, seriously. Um, okay, so then second night went kind of poorly. Well, no, second night went pretty well, except for the bone. Yeah. But people still enjoyed it. And then the third night, 
uh, is the night where he goes outside. Yeah, so he goes right before, like, the big reveal, the big ending. Michael Keaton goes right outside uh, the back door entrance to have a smoke in just his bathrobe. And uh, the door shuts behind him. I think we forgot to lead into what made him go outside and smoke. Uh, earlier scenes, uh, Edward Norton and uh, Emma Stone's characters, after uh, Naomi Watts' character broke up with Edward Norton, he started hitting on and like having conversations with Emma Stone's character. Yeah, playing truth or dare. Yep. And uh, basically, uh, Michael Keaton like saw that they were like kissing before uh, Edward Norton went on stage, and then he goes outside to have a cigarette, and then his rope gets caught yeah, in the door. Yeah, the door, the door closes behind him, which he didn't mean for it to close, yeah. because it's a one-way door. Mm-hmm. And then his robe's also caught... If it was, if it just closed, he could just run through. But the robe's also caught, and he can't get it out, so he has to take off his robe, and he starts running through Times Square yep, in just his underwear. Everybody's like, is that the Birdman? And there's like a guy like, come on, give me an autograph. Don't be a dick. And he's like, I'm faking in my underwear trying to run through Times Square. He's like, all right. Uh. And he like runs through the play, and he, he's at the entrance, and he comes in through the back, and he does the scene in his underwear with no gun. Yeah. Until he gets up to, like, right before the stage, and someone hands him their gun, and he's like, oh, ha! And I, I thought, <laughs> I thought personally this was the best performance he had, like, given in terms of, like, what we see from him in the play. Because they, like, do some, like, interesting, like, angles where, like, you, like, I felt it more in this one than I did in the, like, the next, final one. The yeah. final one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I felt it more, but it, it definitely was, one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Like, it was good, like, the way he did it. And people, like, they were talking about it. He was trending the next day, and he's like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he's got, like, no social media. He's but not, like, People were, like, super excited for it, and he got really good publicity because of it. Yep. And all this time, he's still going kind of crazy. Um, right after this play, he, uh, it's opening night the next day, so he goes out to that same bar. He talks to that woman again, the, the nostalgia critic. Yeah. We forgot to mention. There's we a keep scene, forgetting to mention. Yeah. There's a scene like right, I think it's uh, right after the first night where he reads uh, a paper that had an interview with Edward Norton's character and he oh. gets like the front page and everyone's like, we love Edward Norton. And then he like flips it over and he's got like a paragraph that basically says like he's trying to recapture his youth fame. Yeah, he was on he was on page twelve. Yeah. Also Edward Norton front page, he stole uh the Ray Carver story. Yeah. He had stolen like it was in theater in high school and he stole the Ray Carver story. And I'm like, fuck. Uh so uh, the the second night they after he does that he beats he like punches Edward Norton in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Which was good. Um, Yes. Okay. So back to the third night. Afterwards, he goes to get drunk. He, like, talks to the lady. She says that she, like, he just tries to talk to her. And she's like, I'm going to shut down your play. I'm going to give it a bad review. And he's like, you haven't even seen it. And she's like, I hate what people like you stand for. And he's like, fuck you, bitch. He reads her review. He's like, look. This is all just labels. Label. There's nothing about structure, performance, or anything. Intention. All it is is just lazy, shittily written labels. (laughs) He's like, 
fuck you. And he like grabs a glass and he throws and he's like, fuck you and your shittily written reviews. And she's like, I'm going to fucking destroy your show. And then they walk out. And he goes and he, he buys, buys some whiskey, whiskey. And he drinks it all. And, then and falls asleep on a curb. There's some dude who's like shouting when he's buying the liquor and he like walks out and like watches him for a second. The dude's like, I'm trying to impress you. Was yeah, my range too he much? He says the same thing as the, the guy from the very beginning. Yeah. The, the actor who was bad before he psychically. Yeah. In quotation marks. And so he just walks over to some stairs. And he falls asleep. Yep. And then he wakes up and then he, uh, he, he, he goes, goes to, he goes yeah. full crazy. Yeah. He's like, he's thinking and he's basically like, I'm the fucking like first step towards like all these like modern day people's success, like Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, because I was the Birdman first. And I'm going to blow him away. Yeah. Throughout this whole thing, they, they have been talking about how, like, he was the superhero first. And, like, there's even, like, an interview with Rob. They're like, what are you going to be talking with Robert Downey Jr. later? Like, you hear this on the television. Yeah. And they, like, speak about it. And like, yeah, they have a lot of... And he's like, in the Avengers. Yeah, they, they have a lot of references to, like, the Avengers. Because there's also that scene... And that's why it's so funny that literally, like, two years later, he was like... I'm in the I'm in an Avengers movie. Yeah, no, he's I was in a Spider Man. I, I was thinking that too, and it's funny because he's also a bird man in yeah. the Spider Man. And like, he only plays people with wings. Yeah, because he was Batman. Because he was, yeah, he was Batman. I mean, Batman technically doesn't have wings; it's a cape. But I'm, but he goes like this. Bats have wings. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so basically... I mean, technically the vulture doesn't have wings; they're robots. Yeah, but they their functionality they're like wings. Uh, so, yeah, Michael Keaton ends up on top of just the building. Yeah, he, like, he sees himself, like, floating up to the top of the building. And some dude, like... Some dude's like, hey, bro, get off of there! And somebody's like, oh, is this real or for a movie? And he's like, movie. it's for a movie. And he's like, you people are so bush! Yeah. <laughs> and somebody grabs him and pulls him off the ledge. And he's like, oh, do you know where you're going, man? Can I get you a... Can I call somebody for you? And he's like... I know where I'm going. And, and he jumps off the building. Starts flying. And he starts flying through the city. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weirdly shot. Like, he looks weird in it. But that's mostly because of the coat he's in and, like, the way the wind is going into it. Because it looks like he's, like, kind of wearing a fat suit, even though he's not. It's just the wind going yeah. into the suit. Um, one other scene we forgot to mention from earlier. I know. <laughs> I don't sorry, remember this guys. movie. Um, uh, this, this movie has got a lot of, like, just little scenes in it. Yeah. Uh, but there, the scene where we find out that he's refinancing his house when his ex-wife comes to visit, we also figure out that he's, like, been neglecting his daughter who's, like, yeah. had problems in rehab. And there was a scene earlier where he found a fucking joint that she had stashed in a candle and he freaks out and he makes it about himself and, and then, then she fucking goes fight. off and yeah, she's like look you're not relevant just like no one's fucking relevant we're all fighting for relevancy dad <laughs> and then there's that bit uh where after the third night like she comes up to the room and or something, and she's like, "You're trending," and he's like, "I don't know what that is." And she has like the toilet paper she's like, lined you know, up and he's with like, all the dashes. Every day was just so bad. And she's like, "You know, I think today was pretty good. It was weird, but good. People liked it." Yeah, and then she like sets up, and she's like, "Every dash here stands for a yeah." She has a giant. Years. She has a giant roll of toilet paper. She rolls out. And yep. There's like 
like probably like a thousand dashes and they yeah. all represent like a thousand years and she's like and then she has one one little piece of toilet paper and she's like and this is all the dashes that humans, humans have lived yeah and they're like and she just says that they think that it will help us remember that our egos are only worth so much when we've only existed for this long mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't know he's the fucking bird man <laughs> yeah well uh yeah, so he goes, and it's the third night, and uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything, like, leading up to the performance that happens. Because the film's, like, formatted in a in-between, like, the rehearsals and the perform leading up to the final performance. Yes. Yeah. But I I think um, he, no, I... Well, he, he flies. He flies. He flies, and then when he arrives at the theater... It's a taxi. Yeah, there's a taxi cab driver that's like, hey, you didn't pay me! Yeah. <laughs> So he That's goes good. inside, and I'm pretty sure it pretty much just goes straight to the performance. It might... No, uh, it, I think it goes to, like, right before his place, because his ex-wife comes in and talks to him before he goes up. Yeah, and he and he pulls out, he talks to him, he's like, I, I'm i so sorry. He, like, he like him, like, I'm so yeah, sorry I fucked everything up. He bears up. his soul to her. Um, he says he says that he like tried to commit suicide by like just trying to drown himself no, after he, he like fucks up something. Jellyfish, and she's like, "You said those were sunbirds." He's like, "Well, you believed me, didn't you?" She's like, "I really I didn't, didn't give a shit." Yeah, because he had just cheated on her yeah. on their anniversary. Yep. And uh, um, but then he he goes out and he Edward Norton had said that his gun looked too fake because it had a big red plug in it. Yep. So he pulls out a new gun. Just happens to be a real gun. Yep. And he, like, loads it because we think he's going to kill himself. And, uh... And he goes and he, he like, starts pointing it at people going, bang. Yeah. <laughs> bang. Cause and I'm he, like, ah! Because he points it at Edward Norton and then I... He points it at someone in the audience who we later see is, like, sitting around the point where the critic gets up. Yeah. And he's, so. like, whispers, bang. And then... He just puts the gun to his face and shoots, and yep. then people are applauding, and they, and then it cuts to him in a hospital, and he shot his nose. He had shot his nose off. Yep, and uh, his uh, ex-wife is there, and uh, Zach Galifianakis comes in. He's like, "This is great. You got what you always wanted," and she's like, "Fuck you, you fucking he's piece like, what of do you mean, shit. Fuck you. This is what he wants." <laughs> He's like, is it this what you want? And then the press tries to get in, and he's like, is that, I, this is my favorite part, because he's like, fuck you, this is a hospital. He's like, yeah. fuck you, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Zach Galifianakis. And then his daughter comes in, and she brings some roses. And they have a moment. He's like, I'm sorry, I was terrible father, you know. They have a moment, and then he gets up after everybody leaves, and he goes to the bathroom, and he... Takes Checks off. out his new he nose. He looks at his new nose, and he looks completely different. Yeah. And while his daughter's out... That was a good prosthetic on his nose, because yeah. noses really do make you look completely different. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, what the fuck? Also, his eyes were... You know, like, it was obvious that it wasn't just his nose that was making him look different. Like, there was... He had, like, yeah. visible bruising all over his eyes and stuff. But yeah. Even... You could tell even when it did heal, he would look, like, very, very different. Yeah. But basically, uh, he... After that, he goes over to the yeah, window. Bird, Birdman gets up because okay, he started the beginning of the movie. He was just hearing Birdman, and then eventually Birdman just shows up. 
Yeah, it's during that starts scene. Walking, right before he starts flying, yeah, Birdman just walks up to him. He's like, hey, I'm Birdman. Yep. Um, and then Michael Keaton just goes to the window, opens it, and Jump. pans over to Emma Stone walking in. She's like, "Where's where is he? And she can't find him. She looks down. She can't see him. And then she looks up, and she smiles, and the movie ends. Yep. And... I've heard... How, how, what do you take from that ending? It's either one of two things. It's meant to be like, oh, she sees him flying, or I've also heard that she sees that meteor that we see at the very beginning of the movie that's coming to, like, extinct humanity. Because that's... It's a very, like, kind of, like... It's sitting in the background and mostly with her scenes, but she talks about, like, the relevancy and how, like, insignificant humans are, especially with that toilet paper scene. And, uh... So, yeah, I think it's one of those two things. I've only seen the movie twice, so... Yeah, I, and this and was my first time, but I, I got, so. you know, that stuff, but... It, the the meteor was mostly in her scenes, right? Like, yeah. pretty much exclusively. So I, I always thought that maybe, like... The meteor doesn't even actually exist. Yeah, that's like it might possible. be. It might be a thing like how mental illness can like be genetic and hereditary. Oh yeah, and like how he's seeing Birdman, she's seeing these things that like humanity because she that's been what she's been fed and like rehab and stuff that they're in- insignificant. It wouldn't matter if they just got wiped out. So she starts seeing this meteor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and there's there's always the chance that Michael Keaton didn't even actually jump either. Like yeah. He was just in there, and she was just seeing things. So, but the ending's very. Pierre would not like this ending. No, oh. because <laughs> it just kind of ends. <laughs> but no, I I really really enjoyed the movie. It had some really great acting. Yeah, uh, and and even even the like acting parts that like weren't so great, they like brought it back. Like the, it was like stumbles, but that's why that's why I like plays so much because I like it when people like. Yeah. Make mistakes, I guess. Yeah, it's much I more like seeing them how to how they handle it. Yeah, and that, that's why I like long takes, or I like takes with mistakes in it. It makes it feel more genuine. Yeah, and I think films it the like should feel genuine, no matter how like how artificial the film is, no matter what genre, even if it's like sci-fi or you know, it it should feel like characters are real and genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you don't want to having like little mistakes in robots. dialogue. I think makes the film better. Yeah, I think it can. I think it depends on like what the film's going for. Yeah. And I, I don't think the like that means that just the first take should be the one that you use or anything. And but no. I'm saying like you shouldn't take away a take just because they like stumble on like a word. Yeah, because you that, take a look at them, see which one like flows the best, yeah. and has the most like human seeming mistakes yeah, where that, that's like, that's what I'm saying. Not, I'm not <laughs> saying just, yeah more mistakes is a better movie I'm just saying be human exactly um but yeah do you have any other thoughts on this like uh, I know like they're they're like because obviously we've talked about how it's edited to look like a one take uh they've got the, uh, like, except the that they do have after after um after he shoots himself in the nose, there is, like, a dream sequence. Yeah. With, with lots of cuts and stuff. That's the only part that's, like, not. Also, Spider-Man and Iron Man and Bumblebee show up during that part. Yeah. And I'm like, there he is. <laughs> Just imagine him fighting Spider-Man two years from now. 
Oh, yes. Uh, uh, the dream sequence is good, though. Yeah, they've also got, like, throughout the movie, there's, like, percussion playing, and they've got, like, a drummer who will, like, show up in the background of some shots, implying, like, all, like, the percussion is, like, being played in the scene. Nah. Uh, and also, and it's obvious it isn't one take. Somebody told me it was, and I'm like, what do you mean? It's there's literally, styled to Yeah, and there's scene. literally scenes where it transitions to night in, like, no time. Like, that's... That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the yet. stylization was great. And the takes were all very good. And they, almost all of them were long takes. Just yeah. Cut together. Kind of like Climax. Climax had, uh, like, there was the one scene, like, the big scene of dialogue that had a ton of edits. But then the rest of the movie was just like, here's, like, a 20-minute long take. Here's, like, a 40-minute long take. Yeah. I need to rewatch that one again. Uh, yeah, I really, really like Climax. It just makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I've got thick skin. An elastic heart. Well, so. you know, you haven't been through... What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Oh. Yeah, I haven't ever done that before. Anyway, uh, that LSD that the Climax movie centers around, not whatever specifically <laughs> you're talking about. Or you're going to the hospital for. Uh, no, I haven't done <laughs> yeah. that before. Um... Uh, Oh, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed both movies. What did you give this one? I'm probably like a nine. I, yeah, I'm also at a nine. I yeah, I really, really loved both movies we watched today. Yeah, they were both great. I enjoyed them both very thoroughly. Yeah. Uh. All right, so I've got the classic for next yeah, week. Yeah, what's classic? All right, so I've been wanting to watch some of his movies for a really long time now. It's, it's October. Uh, so we want to get some at least one horror movie per podcast, I think, uh, Tell with me the, the exception first, of this one. And then I'll guess Carl T. H. Dreyer. What year is it? Uh, nineteen thirty-three. Vampire. Yeah. Or vamp? Is it vampire vamp- or vampire? I, I think it's pronounced vampire, but oh. I'm not entirely cool. Sure. Cool. I've been meaning sweet yeah. vampire. Because I've, I've there's a like. Four to five movies of his that are on my watch list. And, uh, yeah, I figured this is a good place to start. So. Okay. Cool. It was supposedly shot around the same time that, uh, the Universal Studios Dracula was with, uh, Bella Lugosi. So this was almost the first sound vampire movie, but not quite. Oh, it so came it out, does it it came out shortly after. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was silent or not because it's right at that cusp. Yeah. Uh, to my understanding, it doesn't have very much sound in it, but it's got sound. Cool. Uh, but yeah, what's your pick? My pick is just from last year. Okay. It might have even gotten a DVD release this year. I'm not sure. But it's uh, by Lars von Trier. And it's The House That Jack Built. Ah, uh, I hope I get that movie because I've heard... I've heard it's got some, like, references. Nice. I heard it's pretty meta for a Lars von Trier film. Nice. And I haven't seen a single one, so... <laughs> Wait, you have any... Okay, never mind. Changing it. If okay. you haven't seen any Lars von Trier movie, we're watching Antichrist. I'm fine with that. We'll watch House the... If we have time, I'll watch House the Jack Bill. Yeah. But if not, we'll do Antichrist. Okay. So, potentially two Lars von Trier's next week. Yeah. Maybe one. I don't think they're super long. No, they are. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure. How's the Jack build is two and a half hours. Yeah. 
Antichrist is less than two, though. Yeah, I, I, I should be able to watch them. I, I'm more in a watching rhythm now that I've watched 20 hours of Mindhunter. Yeah. So I've okay. worked out that muscle. So so cool. That's that's our podcast. Yeah. Uh, tell your grandma. Tell your mailman. Tell your dog. Tell your vet. Tell your uh, tell your parole officer. Yeah. Tell your local uh, drive-through workers. <laughs> tell the blacksmith. Yeah. Uh, tell Obama. Uh, tell the fucking potion. <laughs> tell potion seller. Yeah. <laughs> tell your potion seller. And uh, uh, watch Eraserhead. Yeah. Pierre, give it another watch. You might like it more on a second watch. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for watching. We'll talk to you in a week. Woo! Woo!